Hi, Jim. How are you? Oh, very good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Okay. So it's been a while since we've talked. It was around Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, what's been happening with you? What's the latest? Well, the latest is uh, we had a very big uh, junior national championship uh, last weekend, no, two weekends ago in uh, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. A lot of really good lifting, great, some really outstanding juniors. And then la- I've done three USA weightlifting coaching courses so far this year. And my sports powers business is booming, so I'm just busy as can be helping people get strong. Nice, nice. Yeah. When you when you say booming, is that uh, more people getting into the lifts? Yes. And how's the team itself? Is it getting more competitive? Well, my, my sports pilots team is pretty much recreational level. Uh, people that really enjoy lifting. I don't have any high-level lifters. i got several that qualify for the nationals and several that are trying to qualify for the nationals, but I don't have any uh, international-level lifters or national championship-level lifters yet. I have some that... You know, you never know. They might get there, but uh, it's in the beginning of their career. Okay, nice. And I have a couple questions for you. Okay. Uh, the first, uh, are you? I, kn- I know you said you were working on uh, a bit of a biography. How's that coming along? You know, a biography or a book? The book. Oh, the, yeah, book the book. Yeah. Well, it's coming. I mean, I'm gonna. I've got another chapter I need to write, uh, and so it's just it's plugging along and. That would be great if I could get it finished this year. Yeah, yeah. Because there have been some, but I should just finish it and then maybe get it out there and then, you know, update it maybe in a couple of years. But uh, that's probably what I really need to do. And where are you thinking of publishing it? Uh, through Iron Mind uh, Magazine. They're, they're my, they said they would publish it. Ah, okay. And speaking of Iron Mind, are you working on any articles? Right. Uh, the next article I'm writing on is... Uh, uh, assistance exercises. I wrote an article on assistance exercises about 16 years ago, and so now I've come up with a lot of other assistance or supplementary exercises uh, since then. So I've got a whole new batch of exercises to uh, share with people that help you improve your technique or just make training more fun. And what might those be? Well, things like uh, power clean from the floor, a squat clean from the thighs, followed by a jerk. Split jerk, or just all, all kinds of combinations. Uh, doing some split, mixing up split snatching with squat snatching, just for for fun and games. <laughs> and split snatching to me that always seems like an unusual thing. I mean, the split jerk is what probably seventy percent of lifters do. Uh, but why the split snatch? Well, a split snatch and a split clean are very very athletic and. Uh, uh, you know, just good for developing your athleticism and your foot speed. And if you're a weightlifter, just for a little variety in your training and also will help your split jerk. But if you're just a, a person doing the Olympic list to improve your, uh, whether you're a football player or basketball or volleyball or track and field, split lifting is, are, is good exercise. It's, 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 kind of, it's, it's like a dynamic lunge. Okay, I see what you're saying. Was there anyone that split snatched on the international level? Not recently. The last person to win medals in a split snatch was Norbert Chomansky in 1964, and um, uh, Rudolf Pluckfelder also in 1964 at the Olympic level. These guys won medals uh, split lifting. So they're, they're the last ones that come to my mind. There might be one or two others since then. Well, actually, 1968. Uh, I, I just remembered uh, uh, Waldemar 
Bazanowski, he was a split cleaner, but a squat snatcher. And so he won gold medals in 1968. So <clears throat> Bazanowski might be the last splitter to win a gold medal at the Olympics. So maybe into the late 60s, there might still have been a few splitters. But the split technique was widely used, you know, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and then started going out of favor in the 60s because of guys like Pete George and Tommy Kona who were just really doing really well with the squat lifts. Okay, okay, yeah, I have to attempt that. I've never tried a split snatch. Oh, you, 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 you must. Go, go find one of my articles. on. Go to ironmind.com and look at, look at my article on split lifting and do it. And you'll find it's, it's not that difficult, and it's very athletic. If you can split jerk, you can split snatch, and you can split clean. Should I expect to, I mean, obviously, if I start something new, I'm going to go light. Right. Um, can I expect to get uh, heavier? Or will always, if I can still get that squat snatch, will that be where I get my best lifts? Uh, no, yeah. No, the squat snatch is so much more efficient than the split snatch. But the split snatch is more efficient than the power snatch. Ah, okay, okay. And, and the split clean is also more uh, efficient than the uh, power clean. But not as good as squat, yeah. Okay. I see a lot of lifters who are really hesitant getting under the bar in the squat snatch. They can power snatch a lot of weight. Is the split snatch a way to get them to sort of yeah, ease yeah, into the squat yeah. snatch? And they're also maybe just to, maybe they're going to be a splitter. Maybe they'll have more fun and they'll lift more weight. But uh, when you teach the split, you want to teach with both legs, alternating feet. And, and, you know, and, and it'll be a lot of fun because you get a lot of laughter out of people because they're that one leg just naturally goes forward and the other one doesn't, but it, they can do it. It's workable, but it uh, takes a little work. And uh, so it's, um, uh, you, you have a lot, you know, I, 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 when I teach my weightlifting courses, I always uh, teach the alternating feet for the split jerk, and also the alternating split, then the, on the first day, then the second day I teach the split snatch and the split clean, and also alternating feet, and we get a lot of laughs out of that because people find how, how awkward it, it feels, you know, but then some people realize the benefit for developing symmetry in your physical development. Okay, okay, excellent. Uh, now on to another set of questions. Yes. Um, who would you say uh, were the three best-suited weightlifters in history? By that I mean they really had the physical tools yeah. to lift. I don't know if I, I want to put it into the category yeah. of brute strength, but... Just they were made for lifting. Well, yeah, I mean, look, look at uh, people that have uh, an incredible balance and uh, technique. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, my favorite would be uh, Anatoly uh, Karpate from uh, Kazakhstan. I always thought he was the best physically, uh, physical appearance and technique. And then I might go uh, uh, Kurlovich, uh, Alexander Kurlovich and the Super Heavyweights. Those two guys an awesome textbook technique and, you know, set many world records and won many championships and gold medals. Uh, so, yeah, so whenever I talk technique, I always use uh, Anatoly Karpate as my example as the best te technician. There are lots, there are others out there, but this, he's one that just for some reason he, he went, he went several world championships and Olympic games without missing a snatch. Maybe you know, he'd go three for three, win the snatch. Then he'd, after his first clean and jerk, he would usually win the competition. So then he might take a big jump for a world record, and sometimes they make it, sometimes he wouldn't. But he and same same with Krilovich. These guys made so many attempts because they had such good technique, and they were very efficient and you know just good physiques and 
good technique and, and they were great performers. Okay, and how about uh, American lifters? Uh, well, let's see. As far as technique and American lifters, who would that be? Hmm. Uh, many years ago, uh, John Garhammer did a study on uh, American lifters with biomechanical analysis but comparing U.S. lifters versus the Eastern European lifters. <clears throat> and he found out that the U.S. lifters and the European lifters, our techniques were, were about the same, that the European lifters were just faster and stronger. And so that's why they lifted more. <laughs> and uh, so our, te our U.S. lifters' technique, uh, hmm, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, uh, who strikes me as really a great technician? Because there's a kid, C.J. Cummings, who lifts a lot of weight and makes a lot of attempts, and he's got his own uh, technique. It's a little, little very, you know, it's not quite textbook, but it's at work. He's been imposing his arms bent a little bit, and he, his receiving position for the snatch isn't ideal, but he, he lifts a lot of weight, and he's very consistent. He does it the same way all the time. Um, Norik Vardanian, there's, there's one. Yeah, Norik Vardanian's technique is pretty darn good, pretty, pretty consistent, pretty, pretty efficient. And he's the son of Yuri Vardanian, and he's one of our top... 94 kilo lifters in the United States, and so we're hoping that he'll, you know, continue to progress and maybe come close to what his dad did. Okay. Um, and when we talk about technique, uh, from the floor to the final position, let's say in the snatch, um, always it's like the straight line seems to me obviously the most efficient, but obviously the bar is going to come in a bit as the knees come back. And the bar will probably come forward as the hips come forward. Right. There's a little. Bit, Is that accurate? Yeah. There's a little bit of what we call an S pole, and you want to minimize that. So there's uh, some. The bar comes in and it goes out, and then it comes back in again, and a little loop at the top. And so we call that the S pole, and it's absolutely necessary. But you um, have to minimize it because the more you want more vertical pole than lateral pole, because let's be really. They bounce the bar off their thighs or the hips, and then the bar goes away from their body. And that's, that's no good. You want the bar to continue to go up. So, uh, yes, the bar goes around the knees and then into the hips and then around the, the abdomens and the chest and back over the ears. So it's a, a slight S-pole. And uh, the bar must always stay over your feet, though. You can't. The bar can't get out so far out front that it's in front of your toes because then that's too far away from your body. You want to keep that bar in your center of gravity, which is as close to your hips at all times as possible. Okay, so is a straight line pull really possible? Well, it's, or it's it, always well, it, got to follow no, the... If, pull, if you pulled straight, that means the bar would have to go in front of you. Okay, see? I see. And then you'd have to jump forward, so you don't want that. So don't really, see, in the old days before the thigh brush was allowed, which the thigh brush wasn't allowed until like the middle of the 60s, you know, you're supposed to pull the bar from the floor to your shoulders or the floor to overhead without touching any part of your body. That was according to the rules. But then they realized through biomechanics that the bar has to brush the thighs because to keep it close to the center of gravity and for your best biomechanical uh, positioning and strongest position, the bar must brush the thighs. So... Uh, in the old days, we weren't allowed to touch the thigh, so we tried, so we pulled straight, but the bar was usually away from our body. It wasn't as efficient. Ah, okay. I didn't even realize that, that there was a point where it couldn't touch your thighs. Right. When did that change? Uh, well, I, I want to say, you know, 1965, thereabouts, uh, could be 64 or 66. I mean, sometime in the middle of 60s, uh, the bar was louder, or, or, you know, but right around that time, I don't know off the top of my head. 
But I know when I first started lifting back in 1960, the bar is not supposed to touch your thighs and it's supposed to come up, you know, from the floor overhead without touching any body part. Ah, okay. Now, to follow up the initial question, uh, who didn't you train? Who are some of the lifters that you never had a chance to train that you would have loved to have trained? Well, as a coach, you know, you always say, God, what am I going to do with that guy? Uh, let's see. There's there's so many. I mean, all, all, all the top lifters uh, that I didn't, you know, that, uh, let's see. Um, I wonder if I could, could have, well, Jeff Michaels. I did train Jeff Michaels. I helped Jeff Michaels with his training programs, but that was after he'd already kind of got himself in a little bit of a bind and made some mistakes. So I would like to have had more input with Jeff Michaels as an example. Um, maybe and Kurt White. Kurt White's another guy. Because these two guys did some drastic mistakes across the 1984 Olympic team. And mm. and so it was the training and, and stuff. So, um, you know, so just, you know, and you always, so you always wonder about the guy that, I wonder if I could have done anything with that guy. I mean, there was a guy like, for example, this guy, Guy Carlton. I couldn't have done anything with him. I, I was a coach on teams that he was on, and he, he was just kind of a, uh, a very a very nice guy and uh, a good guy and tried hard, but you know he was very very stubborn and hard headed and he had a hard time competing. So you know you just kind of let him stay out of his way and, and you know try to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. But yeah, who the, I, you know, there's so many lifters I see out there that I get you know like oh boy, sure I had a guy like that. So you know I don't I don't have anybody. Uh, Right now, except you know, let's go to this, this guy Kane Wilkes. He's a super heavyweight. You know, I've had a lot of experience coaching super heavyweights, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind having him. But you know, he's he's got a good situation and is doing well. And so I would never uh, impose myself upon somebody else unless uh, they were you know they asked me because I if I'm imposing myself on them, then they're not going to buy into it. They've got to be you know hungry and ready to listen. Yeah, of course. And and I, I remember before we talked in your early days, you were getting people coming to the sports yeah, palace yeah. that that wanted to have that experience. But also how about like historically, if you could have trained anybody from any country, sort of had them for six months, that you could really see what you could get out of them. Is there anybody you could think of? Well, I mean I guess it would just like we'd be Anatoly Karpati. Of course I probably he I'd probably get more from him than he'd get from me, but <laughs> uh, well, this guy, you know, I mean, like I say, he's kind of my uh, uh, best lifter uh, technique-wise. Uh, David Rieger, of course, would be very interesting because he's kind of a wild man, but uh, he was a fantastic champion, a fantastic lifter, and a great coach. And so, you know, there's so many people, you, you know, you'd like to wonder what you could do. Maybe or Tommy Kono. Now, now uh, Tommy Kono is my all-time favorite weightlifter because... Number one, he's one that I got to know personally. He's a two-time Olympic champion and I think six-time world champion and world record holder. And, and uh, you know, he's been an Olympic coach for three teams, for Germany, for Mexico, for USA. And he's been on the International Executive Technical Board and refereed at the Olympics. And so, you know, Tommy Kono has done it all. And I've gotten to know him a little bit and, I, and his story. And so he's kind of my all-time favorite weight after. And so I, if I could go back in time, I wonder... That would have been like to coach him, but in his day, in the fifties, guys were pretty much self-coached, and uh, they, their training partners all you know. The, so this is when I started too. We, we didn't really have a coach. We just trained together and gave each other coaching pointers, and and that's how I became a coach because my I wasn't as good a lifter as Dan Cantori and and uh, Walt Giuseppe, but I gave them good coaching pointers, and they did well. And then other people said, "Geez, uh, they wanted you know wanted the same." 
wanted the same input from me, and so a lot of people did well from my giving them whatever coaching pointers I gave them that would help them. And uh, so, you know, like Tommy Kono or, or uh, Dave uh, Shepard or uh, John Davis, guys like that, you know, that were already great weightlifters. It has been great to be around them while they're doing their thing and see if you could make it a difference or help them out. And just as a coach, you always, when you see somebody at the national level, you go, oh, boy, I wish I could coach that kid. You know, if you see someone that doesn't have a coach or see someone that is making some mistakes, uh, and I, you know, and like we've got a, some real good local lifters, and they make some mistakes. But I, like I say, they'd have to ask me for their help because if I have to ask them, if I have to volunteer to them, they then they're not they haven't bought into it. They go, well, yeah, I'll give you a, a ten minutes to try to fix me. You know. Yeah, the, it, there's so many people want the quick fix, yeah, yeah. and it's it's not possible, is it? Right. No. And I'm really, really enjoying just training everybody I train because they really enjoy weightlifting and they enjoy having me train them. So it's a, it's a very rewarding and fun uh, time in my life. Yeah, it, it is great that people uh, from all walks now, they, they, we talked about CrossFit before, yeah, yeah. coming to the sport. And, you know, someone is trying to lift as much as they can. Yeah, there's a spotlight when you're at an international competition, yeah, yeah. national competition. But there's the magic as well. Yeah. When you see, uh, I've got a guy, he just came, he has terrible flexibility. And he felt like he was helpless. And in the last two, three weeks, he's lifting better, he feels better, and it's just such a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, those kinds of experiences, are, I think, are, are just as important. Yeah. Well, sometimes one thing that, that happens to me is people come and think, okay, well, here's Jim who's coached all these great weightlifters. He's going to get me up there. And, you know, they don't have it. And I, and I, and I feel like I, I'm sorry to disappoint them, but, you know, they, they don't have it. I can't make them as good as a Mario Martinez or a Ken Clark, you know, or Giselle Shepparton because they just don't have it. Sorry, but we can make you better, and hopefully you'll enjoy weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. The, everybody's got their limitations. Yes, yes. And when, it, when it comes to sport, especially an Olympic-style sport, the elite is only for the 1% or 2%. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just want to go back to a bit of technique here. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a straight pull. You talked about the S pull. Now, when it comes to the jerk, um, I always focus on little dip and getting under the bar. And it seems like everybody wants to have a big dip because they feel like they can get more power. Right. That's a mistake. But, yes. Yeah. Because I, I initially say, well, look, you've got a further distance to go. And then also, as the weight gets heavier, it's just going to drive down on your body. Yeah. yeah, it's a short, deliberate dip, but then you've got to explode out of it with all your power start generated from your hips and your thighs. So I always say short, deliberate dip, and then come out of that with all the power you've got in your hips and thighs. And then you finish it, lock it out with the arms. And the other thing I notice is a lot of lifters now tend to bow. Their their knees out as they're dipping. Right, right. That's that works for some, but I've mean, I've, I've watched. I've seen. I've, I've watched that. And I go. Hmm, I wonder if that's the way to go. I see both. I see people with knees straight ahead, knees bowed out, and uh, I don't know where that came from, but uh, it, it's you know it's being done and, and successfully. 
Uh, but it, I mean, from a physical standpoint, isn't that wasting energy? Isn't that weakening the overall drive? Well, the bow? no. There's there's uh, some biomechanics out there that say no. You're uh, you're uh, activating you know certain muscle groups that help you extend and drive more more forcibly up. Uh, so you know that's that's why they do it. And and if it works, then that's that's why they continue to continue to do it. But yeah, I'm a you know, I teach the just as if you were going to jump for a reach. Like I tell people, let's see how you would jump, for, see how you could jump. And they say, that's how you want to dip, and that's how you want to drive, for whether you're pulling off the floor or extending on your jerk. Okay, yeah, almost almost like you're getting ready to do a broad jump or something. No, a high jump. I mean, a, a jump and reach. Ah, okay, okay, I see what or, you're saying. Or a, a standing broad jump, yes. But see, it's not, 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 a, not a running jump. It's a standing jump and uh-huh. as high as you can or a standing um, uh, jump as far as you can. And that be, see where people put their feet. And, they'll, and they'll, it's funny, they'll, there they'll figure out where their feet should be because they can feel it. But in the lifting, most people, have, they, they put their feet, they don't know where to put their feet. Yeah, you mean in the start position? Yeah, or? Well, in the start okay. position for the snatch and the clean and the start position for the jerk. The feet position should be very similar. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed when I used to train in Tunis. Uh, they had the 12, 13-year-olds just doing standing broad jumps. That's all they did all day. Wow. And and I think that got there, got them into the, you know, the, the sense of this is where we're driving for most yeah. power, getting them ready for jerking. Or, yeah, because see, when you do a standing... Long jump. Uh, we can't call it broad jump anymore because that's sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, well, see, you're, you're in Turkey now. I guess that's okay. But it, over here, it's long jump, not the broad jump. <laughs> okay, standing <laughs> we long jump. We don't jump broads. <laughs> but, uh, it's it's, it's a, a standing long jump. Yeah, that 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 too is that and jump and reach. Those are two things that really teach people how to engage their thighs and their hips and their low back into the jumping as far as they can. And I'm surprised they don't do jump and reach because when, when you're doing the long jump, or the, you know, you're jumping forward, and that's something you don't want to do in weightlifting. You want to jump straight up. That's right, yeah. Maybe even training that uh, close to a wall. Like how high can you reach on the wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same kind of idea. Yes, okay. yeah, just jump and reach. Uh, uh, you know, that's a test that a lot of, well, the NFL, the National Football League, does that at their combine. They want to see people's dynamic, uh, the dynamic jumping ability. They can jump, and you know what you do is you you take a piece of chalk and you can mark it on the wall. And you reach and mark it, and then you jump as high as you can. You mark that, and you see what the difference is. Or uh-huh. they they have these things with these little things that stick out, and you reach up and you knock one out, and then you jump up and try to see how high, see how many you can knock out. And that will also tell you that cause what, what they're measuring is a distance, uh, how high you jump, how, uh, totally extended position to how high you can jump. And so some of these guys go like 40 inches, and I had a super heavyweight that went like 38, wow. 39 inches, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and, that's something else. And I can probably do about 12 inches. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think, what could I do? Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was I was trying to measure myself for the standing long jump. Yeah. I, I don't remember what I accomplished, yeah, but I, I, I thought that was a good way of warming up as it's well. Good, it's a good one. Another one is jumping upstairs. See how many stairs. Ah, jump up. okay. And what's good about that 
is you got usually hopefully got handrails, so if you're about to fall, you grab the handrails. Yeah, yeah, that's that's important. But uh, you know, like I used to be able to easily jump four stairs. Now it's three, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on uh, which stairs we're talking about. Right, right. Yeah. So speaking a little bit off topic, you you mentioned the NFL Combine. Uh, this is a way that you know. Uh, it's become like a pseudoscience. They're measuring psychology. They're measuring physicality, preparation for the professional game, all those kinds of things. Um, does this fit into weightlifting? Is there a way, is there a few moves or a few exercises we could look at and we could say, ah, this guy or this woman is going to be successful? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, in fact, that's what, you know, the Eastern Europeans and the Asians, they go around and test kids. And one of them, it's a, it's a jump and reach. It's a standing uh, a long jump. There's another one where you jump up and spin around and see if you can do a 360. Uh, hmm. Then there's sprints and uh, chin-ups and push-ups for upper, just to see about upper body strength. So there's a whole battery of tests that they do. To see, uh, you know, who, whether they got fast twitch muscles, whether they got coordination and balance, and and like and like that. Yeah, because, uh, weightlifting is so much fast twitch, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Okay, I think this, but it's tensile strength, isn't it? Yes. It's the ability of the body to create tension versus what you see in a world's strongest man. Right, and see, that's why tendons and ligaments are so critical in the weightlifting, and that. Boy, if you, you know, not everybody's got the same tendons and ligaments, and that's why some people they, they, they are always straining their knees or their elbows or their wrists because they just don't have the tendon and ligament strength. So it really comes down to almost a genetic thing. Yes. Oh, well, you know, everything is genetic. How tall we're going to be, the color of our hair. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you, know, you never know what your potential is, but you're born with a certain set of uh, DNA that says, you're going to be this tall, and you're going to have fast twitch muscles or slow twitch muscles, or maybe you'll be able to play the piano, or maybe you'll be able to run sprints. You know, it's just uh, different. We all have different abilities, but you know, you never know what your abilities are unless you get the opportunity to, to find out what they are. And that's why uh, weightlifting has grown so much around the world in recent years is because they've gone out and all around the world and check check people's out, and we're finding out that there are so many people that that never get an opportunity to participate in whether it's weightlifting or other sports. And so if you can just uh, go out and have a talent identification camps and then you'll, you'll get, you'll find some people that can do these things. Is the U S involved in that same type of thing? I mean, are they we're, we've, reaching we're, into, we've, we've, we've tried it, but you see, we're a, a walk on sport. A kid has to right. kind of walk in and do our sport. We, you, we, we can see a kid with all the talent in the world and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you could be a champion weight if he goes, ah, I want to be a football player or I want to be a basketball player or same in basketball. Kid could be, you could be a great basketball player. No, I want to be a volleyball player. You know, so it's, uh, we, we, we don't, uh, and see, a lot of kids, like, they can get a scholarship for uh, rugby, for uh, lacrosse, for football, for basketball, you know, all these different things, but not for weightlifting. So you can't, Get a kid and say, okay, listen, if you get really good, you can get a scholarship to the University of California or, or Stanford or, you know, you know, we have two colleges around the, in the United States that give uh, some form of financial help. One is Linwood College in uh, uh, St. Louis, and another one is uh, Northwestern uh, Minnesota or something like that, way up there in the boondocks. I mean, that's something. Mm. Uh, they've gotten some sponsorship to uh, sponsor athletes and give them scholarships. And these are, like I say, who wants to go to the, where, where these places are located are kind of like 
nothing special, you know, definitely, definitely not desirable. And so, and you know, it's, it's, uh, in the United States, we have all these pockets of activity like uh, Savannah, Georgia. They got a great program down there with the Coens, and that's where the C.J. Cummings comes from. And and there's another kid that is really blossoming. His name is uh, Harrison. Bruce, and I'm not sure where he's from. I think he's from Washington, but uh, you know these kids. We did, these kids are just we're just finding by luck, and like you know, I just found Mario Martinez and Ken Clark and Tom Lee and all these people just by luck. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's just the way it's going to go for now. Well, that, that's, um, that's the way it is, kind of in, in life. You know, where you where you live determines your opportunities, and uh, you know, so you. You know, I mean, in San Francisco, there's so many opportunities, but you go to uh, other, you know, Boise, Idaho, and you don't have as many opportunities as you would in San Francisco, and and so forth. You know, or the Bay Area. You know, so different different opportunities for different folks and different talent. It's you know, it's uh, there's so much of uh, like to say, you know, things out of our control that determine our destiny. So what do you got on, what are you looking forward to in the next couple well, weeks? Well, uh, I've got a coaching course up at Humboldt State University. I always, I always enjoy going up there. And uh, then I, so I enjoy doing these coaching courses, but I'm really looking forward to going to the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. And I haven't got my all my plans fixed for that. I'm working on that and right now. And uh, so as, as it gets closer, I'll be finalizing my airfare and my lodging and all that stuff. And but uh, so I'm really looking forward to the Olympics. It's been this will be my tenth one. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And yeah. so it's your decathlon of the Olympics. Yes, yes. Uh, we talked about this a few episodes back. Uh, the preparation, and you know, there's naysayers. Any idea how's the? I haven't heard anything. I, I, I actually I did hear a bit about the water quality again. Oh yeah, you hear. Uh, there's the issue about the Zika virus right. now. This is a whole new thing. Right. Well, I'll take my I'll take a couple cans off. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I uh, I won't worry about that till the last moment. You know, I'm, I, they'll they've got to do something because the whole world. Uh, you know, unless there's some real serious problem, there it'll it'll happen and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I mean, I think it all comes together in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, and also people are always saying, like to say the, the negative things. For example, we have the, you know the Warriors basketball team that's just doing fantastic, and this guy Stephen Curry is fantastic. And there's people that's always oh, not yeah. that good. He's this. He's you know. There's these people always say bad things about good things. You know. And the Warriors are really good. All their and you know, everybody's saying our team could have beat them. Our team could beat them. You know, well, they just sit back and enjoy. They're having, they're having a great year, and and then, so people, you know, when someone's successful, other people out there, they wish that they would fail. Yeah, and remember, I'm from Cleveland, so oh, you Cleveland, know. yeah. Johnny Mansell. <laughs> well, I was I was still on the basketball thing. I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah. Stephen Stephen Curry is a poor man's LeBron James. Well, let's put it that way. Uh, we got the championship. <laughs> you, know, you can say whatever you're right, but and, and so it would be nice for them to. Well, we we already had a couple of rematches with these teams and we've beaten them. So, but you know, yeah, really, you know, the, the the Warriors could break all kinds of records and lose the championship, and then it'd be like, see, I told you they weren't very good. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, I always feel about a team that is so dominant, I, for some reason it makes it harder for them to win the championship. Well, because everybody's aiming for them big time, yeah. I Yeah, I guess that's part of it. And maybe it's like if you start losing, there's a little doubt that comes in that you're just not used to. 
Yeah, if they get a key, like if, if uh, uh, Stephen Warrior were to get injured, and Stephen Curry were to get injured, boy, oh boy, that would be very serious because he is the team, and he is he's. But you know, we're we're uh, we're enjoying them tremendously because they're a dynamic group. They have a lot of fun. They're laughing. They're having a good time. They had a little bit of a blowout in the locker room this last comp- last contest, and and that made all headlines. And of course, the guy apologized, you know. But it, you know, in sports, is that it's so common for players to you know, just go off on a tirade, you know, because they're angry and they're upset, you know, but it blows over and as, as this has, but the news media and people like to, you know, just beat it into the ground. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody loves the negativity. But, but yeah, you know what surprises me? One thing, you know, at the, at the recent World Championships in Houston, there were like 22 or 24 drug positives, and it hasn't made the news. I'm thinking... I was going to, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, yeah. but I felt we had gotten on from it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's really. I and mean, that, that's a record. That's we've never had that many drug positives. I'm thinking, well, what, people don't care, or does, I don't know what happened. I don't know what that's about. But, yeah, and even here, right? I'm yeah. in Istanbul, Turkey. Yeah. <sighs> Did, didn't see anything about yeah. it in the news. I mean, Turkey wasn't as represented. Well, but they had this one, they had one, one of guy the that was good that got a medal, but see, it was looked like the Turks and the Bulgarians went in real clean. Because they, yeah, they, exactly, they, yeah. they didn't lift very big weights, except for one, one Turk lifted pretty good. He got a medal in the snatch. Yeah, I think he was 69 kilo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, it's funny. Uh, there was a few things I saw just on my Facebook news feed that, oh, look at all these positives. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, we didn't hear anything about it. And we're com- as you said, you're, we're coming into an Olympic yeah, year. And, and, so it, and, and that's, this is important. Well, that's going to change the uh, team rankings and team points. And so... Uh, Teams, you know, because you know, how many uh, slots you get at the Olympics is based on how you place at the Worlds, and so yeah. we're all, we're hopeful that some of these positives will boost us up where we get a couple more slots for the men. We've got three slots for the women and none for the men, and uh, you know we're hopeful that if we can uh, some of these positives work out, that, that we'll get the points will be re- readjusted and we might uh, get more points. Okay, yeah, maybe we can get a male in there. Yeah, yeah, we'll, get, we'll definitely get one man. The Pan American Championships, that's where you qualify. Uh, that's where teams that, oh, that's right, that yeah. qualify for, if they haven't qualified at the Worlds, uh, then they can get one, one slot at the Pan American Championships, and we should place high enough to get one male slot. Okay, I'm going to let you go okay. soon, but you mentioned Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And I'm just curious. What do you think of this kid? Like, where is he at? Is you know, if he was a weightlifter and he was coming into your gym, what would you do? Well, he probably wouldn't last if he missed because he, now, of course, when you're if, if now when you're when everybody's getting paid, it's a different deal. But when I'm you know not getting paid right. very much, well, I, I don't have no time for that. And I don't care how good you are because you'll be a disruptive service. You're not going to help anybody. You're only going to get yourself in trouble. And and apparently, he's just really. We've got some problems, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or something, but he's got some real problems that he can't control himself. Yeah. You know, I followed it closely for a while, and then I just couldn't anymore because I was like – but I always I, – like you said, if they're, if they're getting paid, yeah. then give him enough rope to hang himself. Yeah. If he can do what he does and perform on Sunday right, right. And, and be a – you know, a professional to a certain extent when it comes to the training facility and the playing field. Yeah. Okay, but it seems like he's just—I don't know. Yeah, he's out of control. He's—you uh, know—he's got, he's got some real serious problems, and and of course, everybody's really anti 
you know, he's apparently been abu physically abusive to women, so that's really, you uh, know, the bad, bad, bad thing, the worst thing you can do. And so, yeah. he's, uh, he's got a lot of problems, and it'll be interesting to see if he, uh, how it works out. Because the other guys that were kind of wild men was uh, Jim McMahon of the uh, Chicago Bears, and, uh, right. and we, we had some here in San Francisco, a guy named Billy Kilmer, and I don't know, some of these, yeah. but, uh, and, and of course, these guys, well, the stuff they did didn't make the headlines because it didn't, it wasn't such a big deal then, you see. Now, uh, yeah, now, yeah. if a guy's got his fly open, everybody in the world knows about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that as well. I think it magnifies yeah. it like a hundred times. Well, it's because of the social media thing, and everybody's yeah. got, got their cell phones, you know, running around taking pictures of everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Joe Namath oh, got up to oh, something oh, on, the, on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I, 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 when I, I used to hear some of the stories of the 49ers, some of the crazy things they did, and, and now today if they did that, you know, I'm just basically drunk driving and getting in barroom balls and things like that, and, and it was just, oh, yeah, someone's going kind to of fight at a bar, and then broke his jaw, and 49ers paid the guy off, you know, and blah, blah, you know, just went away, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now they, they now, the guy's going to want yeah. ten million yeah, from the organization. And the guy to be suspended or something like that, you know. But yeah, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. Th that's how it is. Now. Yeah, it's it, right, right. So these guys got to make the big bucks. They got to behave accordingly. Yeah, yeah. And you're not long in sports. You can go crazy yeah. after. Well, you know, the, the Bulgarians have had a lot of bad guys on their teams. In fact, in 1993, 94 at the World Championships in Istanbul. This guy Angel Guchev came in, and he's representing Bulgaria, and he just and he just got released from jail to go compete at the World Championship to score enough points, to, you know, for the Olympic uh, qualifying events, you know, for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and so here this guy, they, you know, they, they give him a, they give him a jail uh, um, uh, um, parole from jail, jail for a while to help the Bulgarians score enough team points to get more slots for the Olympics. Yeah, he landed on get out of jail free card. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Georgie Markov too. Yeah, he yeah. got busted for traveling and flying with drugs well, or something that was, like that. That was Bovinsky. Ah, okay. Oh, maybe Markov too, but definitely Bovinsky. He he spent several years in uh, prison in Brazil. Yeah. Okay. That, that's and he wrote a book, but I've never seen that book. You know, you know complaining about all the bad things in weightlifting. I guess what uh -huh. drove him to that? I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah, because I I remember when I started, I mean those guys. Uh, he was yeah. He seemed he was awesome. Oh, yeah, 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 Sixty-nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jim. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you go. Okay. Good and talking um, to you. yeah, good talking to you. And once I edit it down again, I'll send it to okay. you. You approve it? I'll stick yeah. it on there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be. I mean, it's so far everything's been fine. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh no problem. I thank you. Okay. All right. All right, take it easy, Jim. Remember, teach a split snatch and split clean for fun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All right. Trust me. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.